Thank you, Cameron. So, guys, we're going to go ahead and jump into the book of Philippians again this morning, chapter 3. We continue our study through this wonderful letter. Last week, last week we covered the first, basically the first half of chapter 3 where we, we emphasized how much joy we get from, from knowing Christ personal relationship with the one true God through his son, Jesus Christ. Um, today, we're going to now kind of turn around and, and look at how much joy we get by making him known. So if you know anything about our church here and when, when uh, Brother John and the elders originally founded the church, as, as most churches do, we come up with a, a mission statement and and a mission, a mission is something that never changes. A, a mission statement is something that is kind of the foundation of who you are and what you do. And that, and that stays the same. And so for these past 40 years, by the way, we're, we're approaching a 40-year anniversary uh, of the, uh, the establishment uh, of Christ Church. And so it's, it's been, and, and some of you, yeah, we can clap for that. Praise God. Some of you have, have been with us nearly that entire time. And, and so from the very beginning, the, the mission statement of our church was, was simple but profound, to know Christ and to, to make him known. And that, that says it. I mean, that sums it up. Our relationship with Jesus Christ, the, the reason that we're here, and then our mission to make him known uh, to the nations. And so that's what today's message is really going to be all about. Uh, thank you for those who... Uh, took a little bit of time this morning to congratulate me and, and my wife, Abby, as many of you may or may not know, uh, but we're going to be grandparents coming up here pretty soon. And uh, so um, what I hear is that being a grandparent is far better than being a parent. Is that true? Am, am I here? There's some truth to that. Uh, I, don't, I don't really know why that is. Maybe we're about to find out. Maybe it's because... As a grandparent, you kind of get to redo some of the mistakes you made as a, as a parent. Or maybe it's the joy of being able to see the payback that your kids get for all the trouble, all the grief that they give you, right, over the, over the years. We were, we were at the reveal yesterday with, my, with our family and uh, my son, Easton, who is the father. He's, he's, he and his wife, Caroline, are expecting uh, their first child, our first grandchild. And uh, Easton looked at me and he said, man, Dad, you, you know, they're always making fun of me. Um, I was like, man, you just skipped the whole gray phase and went straight to white hair, didn't you? And uh, making fun of the white hair that I have. And I said, yeah, you probably gave, you're probably responsible for about half of those, for all the trouble you gave me growing up. But, um, but no, that's, uh, that's where we are in life. And if there's anything you do know, and, and again, I'm just looking at this from an observer now and seeing how my dad and uh, how Abby's parents, my mom and dad and Abby's parents, how they doted over... Uh, our children as their grandchildren and how they take special place in, in grandma and grandma's heart, uh, grandpa's heart. Um, if you know anything about grandparents, they love to brag on their grandchildren. You think? You know, you're in the store, you're on an airplane, you're waiting in line, you, you'll talk to anybody about your, grand, your grandchildren. And it's just like whenever a grandfather or grandmother begins to to, to brag and boast and praise their grandchildren. It's like their faces will just light up. Um, they'll tell you everything that you want to know and more about uh, their grandchildren. 
And, and so the reason that is, obviously, is because we tend to talk about and, and, and make much of the things and the people that we love the most, that we're closest to. Um, and we want to tell everybody about how much they mean to us and how proud we are of them. Essentially, we're, we're bragging on our grandchildren in, that, in, this, in this case. And that's what, that's what the Bible says we should do with Jesus. It's because if you, if you want to make that, that very simple correlation, is that if Jesus means that much to us, and if we are amazed at all of the things that he has done for us, and and we understand how much he loves us, and, and, and we have a relationship with him to love him, and how much he has done for us, we, we look at that, and that should be what we are excited and joyful and anxious to go and tell everybody that we know about this Jesus. In other words, to, to praise Jesus is just simply, it's very, we, we, we should be bragging about our Jesus. Telling people, glorifying him, praising him, bragging about him, boasting in Jesus Christ because of that relationship that we have or should have with him. And so that's, that's really where I want to spend a little bit of time this, this morning with you as we, we talk about this joy. Just like a, a, a loving grandmother, grandfather gets so much joy out of seeing their grandchildren grow up and excel and do well and, and it just gives them so much pride. Guys, that is what we need and what we should have when it comes to our relationship with Jesus. So I want to just jump into Philippians 3 this morning and we're going to we're going to look at several verses, beginning in verse 12. So let's, let's look at Philippians 3, 12, and I'll probably read somewhere around through verse 17, okay? Philippians 3, verse 12. The Apostle Paul writing to the church, the believers there in Philippi, says, Not that I have already obtained this, or am already perfect. All right, let's. I know I got to pause already just to kind of set the context. Remember, last week we're talking about the joy of knowing Christ, having a relationship with the one true God, having the the power of the resurrection of Christ through the the indwelling presence of the Spirit of God in us, who is our down payment. Right, the Spirit is our deposit, the guarantee that God gives us in order to prove to us and to us that he will bring to completion and he will uh, ultimately deliver on all of the promises that he gave us, but we're still waiting for those things. And that's what Paul's talking about. He's like, I haven't obtained this desire. I haven't obtained this, this goal, this heavenly goal that, that, I, that I strive to um, realize in my life. I haven't obtained it yet, okay, and I'm certainly not perfect. I'm, I certainly haven't reached a point of perfection because this side of heaven we're never going to be truly perfect in that sense we should be striving to become more like Christ but this side of heaven we have we will never fully arrive okay and that's just part of our sanctification process and that's what Paul's talking about here he's saying listen I haven't obtained it yet I'm not already perfect but I do this I what I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. 
Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, okay? Forgetting what lies behind and straining, striving, pressing forward to what lies ahead. Verse 14, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That's kind of critical. That's kind of the heart of this, of this message today. What is our upward calling? What is our ultimate purpose? You're going to see that in just a second. Verse 15, let those who are, excuse me, let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example that you have in us. Let's take a minute and just pause and just give this, commit this time to the Lord and, and pray over this message today. Will you pray with me? Father, we're so grateful that you have made yourself known through your son, entering into space and time, in the fullness of time, born of a virgin, born under the law, that you may keep it perfectly in righteousness on our behalf. Lord, thank you that through your revealing yourself to us that we may enter into a relationship with you, to know you, to discover our, our significance and our purpose and, our, um, and the very reason for our existence in you. And then to also make you known so that others may experience the joy that we have. And Lord, that is why we're here. And we want to commit this passage, this message. And Lord, ask that you would open our hearts and our eyes and our minds to receive whatever it is that we need to hear from you today in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so the first thing that I'm giving, uh, sharing with you today is you, if you're following along with your listening guide or maybe following up uh, on the screen, is that to know Jesus and to make him known is our greatest pursuit. And, and I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time here because I touched on this really a lot in, in depth last week when we began looking at what it means to really know Jesus Christ. But again, think about it. We have, we have, there are so many options out there. There are so many things in the world that are pulling at us and, and, and alluring us and tempting us and distracting us and, and, and really uh, th those are what we call our pursuits. Like why, what gets you up in the morning? What gets you out of bed? What gets you going? You know, it's usually those things that, that mean the most to us, that we're pursuing the most. Those are the things that drive us and motivate us and compel us to do the things that we do, to live the life that we live. And, and so, you know, stating the obvious this morning and, and, and just kind of recapping what we talked about a little bit last week is that to know Jesus and then to make him known, that is our greatest what? That's our greatest pursuit in life. Anything else, and I'm not saying that everything else is bad in, in and of itself, pursuits, whether it be your, 
your spouse or your family or your career or your vocation or your, your hobbies. And all those things are okay. God, he gave us those things. Those are good gifts from God. But again, it's a matter of priority. It always comes back to our, our, our priorities. And the Lord is saying, listen, if you're pursuing anything, anyone above and beyond me, that is idolatry. That's all he's saying. And so we know that our greatest pursuit in life is Jesus. And so it's this, it's this amazing dynamic that we see in our lives, that we see it in Scripture, is that, is that as we are filled with Christ or we're filled with his spirit, then we're able to pour out into others. That which we receive from God through that intimacy and that, that relationship that we have with Christ, we receive that from God, but then we are able to give that to other people, right? It's like the, the, the hiding, when we hide God's word in our hearts and, we, and, we, and we, we position ourselves to hear that still, small voice through that intimate relationship that we have with Christ. You know, what did Jesus say? That which you hear in secret, you will turn around and shout it from the, from the mountaintops, from the rooftops. You see, that's what he's talking about, to know Christ. You see, in other words, let me just put it to you very simple. We cannot give to anybody else what we have not already received ourselves we cannot lead anybody else to a place that we have not gone ourselves that's what this is that's what this life is all about is understanding that we first must position ourselves to make christ our priority to make christ our greatest pursuit our our highest pursuit in life and that in that through that relationship with him then we're able to turn around and give to others and to contribute to the work of the ministry and to be able to shout his praises, to brag about him to the rest of the world because of the time that we have already spent with him in that quiet place. That's where I think most of us go, that's where, at least speaking for myself, that's when I, most of the time, that's when I go astray, is when I begin to forsake my relationship with the Lord and I began pursuing and putting other things above him in priority. And it's a subtle thing, right? Because most of the time, and I'm, because as Christians, as followers of Jesus, guys, most of the time our decisions in life are not between that which is bad and good. Those are the easy ones. It's, a, it's between those things that's what are, that are good and best. What's the best? What's the best pursuit? It's Jesus. And so when we put even good things, as we're pursuing good things, again, family and careers and all these other things that, that, are, that are not necessarily bad in and of themselves, but when we put those things above Christ, that is when we begin to, to go astray. That is when we begin to become vulnerable. That is when we begin to feel that deficit in our life. And we're not able to give to anybody else that which we do not already have ourselves. And that's what Paul's talking about here in the book of Philippians. I'll give you, I'll give you a personal example or illustration. Um, I don't know if everybody's like this or not. My mind has a difficult time slowing down. It's just always, I'm always thinking. I'm always contemplating something. I'm always, you know, thinking of ideas or I'm, I'm always... I'm thinking about goals or thinking about things I need to do or people I need to, to, to see. And, I mean, again, I think most people probably have some semblance of that going on in, 
their life. And so, so when I wake up in the morning and we kind of have our routine and, you know, I get up and, and my wife and, and, and my son, uh, we're kind of getting everybody ready for school and we get everybody off to school. And usually I am fortunate enough to have some time in the mornings undistracted where I can, you know, hopefully spend some quality time with the Lord. But if I'm not careful, I will get going on my day and start thinking about all the things I want to do or the things that I need to do or this idea that pops into my head or I want to write this down or I want to, you know, watch this, this or read that, whatever it may be, right? Or something I need to do at the house. Or there's a tons of things out there, right? And if I'm not careful, I'll go ahead and start my day down that path of the things that I want to do or things that I think that I need to do and neglect my time with the Lord. And I keep my Bible, I, I'm, I'm, I, my own personal devotion, I, I read through the chronological Bible. It's just one that I love to, 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 to look at in my own personal study, quiet time with the Lord. And I leave it sitting right there by the couch in our, in our living room because if I'm not careful, I walk by it and it's almost like the Lord is just, he's just calling me. And he said, I'm, I'm waiting on you. When are you going to stop? I know, I know what you got to do. I know He knows fully well everything that we need to do, right? He's, I'm just waiting on you. And guys, you know what becomes evident to me? Number one is that when I take the time to put everything down and spend that quality time to really spend time with the Lord, to listen to him, to pray, to read the scriptures, to just meditate on his word, to quiet myself, everything else always falls into place. It's just the way he always works, right? And then what happens is that that becomes, and see, when, once you get into the Word and you, you dedicate that time with the Lord and, and you're reminded of how amazing He really is, that becomes my, my, actually my favorite part of the day. I get so much out of that time with the Lord that it just, it excites me and then it makes me want what? More. That's what's amazing about how the, the Lord works. And so as a husband or a father or a pastor or anything else, I realize that I can't give you or my family or anybody anything until I first receive it from who? From him. And that's what all of us need to be reminded of. And I think that a lot of times what we do is that we get out there in this world and we're operating on an empty tank or you may say a dry well. Okay, and then you wonder why we don't have joy. And you wonder why we're not telling people about Jesus. It's because we're not spending that time with him, being filled with him, being filled with his spirit, being reminded of his goodness, being reminded of his amazing grace, which is what is necessary to give us that perspective to go and be more vocal and to go and tell others about him and to go brag about this God who loves us in the way that only he can. And so, guys, that's what I'm talking about, is that we become vessels of grace and love and truth, and so we must be able to receive before we are able to turn around and give. In other words, we need to know him before we're really, truly able to what? Make him known. Right? Number two, we can always trust Jesus to direct our paths and lead us home in the end. 
now. This is, this is critical, and, and Paul is using the language of walking a path. or you know, He talks about running a race quite often, especially in Timothy, and then we see it in the book of Hebrews. We'll, we'll see some of that here in just a minute. But, but this is that imagery that I think all of us need to be reminded of, is that there is a path for you and I to walk. Who has already established and laid that path out before us? God has. Jesus has for us. For you as an individual and for us collectively as as his people. Guys, there's a path that's been laid out before us. Now, here's the kicker. It's our choice to what? To walk the path. It's our choice. We have a choice to either walk that path or we can stray from that path. And the only way that we're able to stay on that path is by faith. Again, we walk by what? By faith, not by sight. What does that mean? It means that we learn to trust Jesus, that he knows best, that he has laid out a path before us, and that if we are just simply obedient to him and we trust in him, he will lay out our paths, he will direct our steps, he will guide our ways, and ultimately he wants to bring us where? He just wants to bring us back home. He wants us to cross the finish line, finish the race. That's what Paul's talking about in Philippians 3.13. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but the one thing I do, I forget what lies behind. You may want to underline that because we're going to talk about that in just a second. I forget what lies behind. Remember Paul? Persecutor of the church. Murdered Christian, threw him in jail, enemy of the cross. You ever think that bothered him? You ever think that came back up in his life? You ever think people accused him of being a hypocrite? You ever think that he had guilt and shame and struggled and thoughts of condemnation because of the terrible things that he had done in his past? Paul had to leave it behind. He had to let it go. And so that's what Paul's saying. He says, I press on to, to the goal for the prize of the upward call of Christ Jesus. So I'm, I'm forgetting what lies behind and I'm straining forward to what lies ahead. So Paul has given us imagery and language here that is, that is indicative of, of running a race or, or, or on, staying on the path of a very difficult journey. And just think about all the scriptures. And again, I'm just going to give you a a touch of them this morning that that talk about the significance of staying on the path. Trusting Christ by faith, believing in him to lead us on the right, on the straight and narrow. Okay, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Some of you may know that from one of my favorite passages of scripture. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, right? Do not lean on your own understanding, but acknowledge him in all your ways and he will direct your path he will make your way straight but it always goes back to trust i think about what psalm 23 is talking about you know the lord is my shepherd i shall not want makes me lie down in beside the still waters he leads me beside the green into the green pastures he restores my soul he leads me down paths of righteousness for his name's sake that that picture of the the shepherd and his sheep and how much it's you know sheep have no sense of direction they have to stay close to who the shepherd and that's what jesus is trying to tell us hey guys you're like a bunch of sheep if you if you're going to go out there and wander off 
You're going to be vulnerable. You're going to fall into a ditch. You're going to get attacked by wolves. You're going to get separated from the flock. Listen, you got to stay close to me because I'm going to lead you down paths of righteousness. I'm going to keep you on the right path. Jesus talked about how there's a wide road and a narrow road. And that those who enter in through the narrow gate and who take the difficult path, what do they find? Eternal life. There are few who will find it. There's a broad road out there. There's a, there's a massive current, a world, a, a, a road that leads you know, to destruction that, that the majority of the world is just, that is just you know, completely headstrong going down this wide and easy road. And the Lord draws that, that connection, that correlation to remind us that he has, a, he has a path for us to take. And of course he says that the man who puts his hand to the plow and what? Starts looking back is not fit for the kingdom. Now why is that? I think that maybe a better illustration is, is navigating the sea. And I've, I've, ne- I've never, I've been on a cruise ship one time. Um, but when you navigate the seas and, and you have to stay on course, they say that if you are off on your coordinates just one degree, maybe half a degree this way, maybe one or two degrees this way, a very, very small, very, very small, you know, in, in, in the big scheme of things, but as you take that course as a ship and you're off just a little bit, by the time you get to your destination, you're what? Way off. And that's the, that's the illustration that, that Paul is giving us here, that Jesus is talking about here, guys, that it, it doesn't necessarily take a major uh, catastrophic you know, decision or terrible uh, you know, failure or whatever it may be. Sometimes it's just that we are off track just a little bit, or if you have ever done any gardening, plowing, you have to keep your eyes fixed on the point ahead of you because if you start looking back, see if your rows are straight, what happens? Man, you'll have some ugly, crooked rows. You get off the path. And that's what Jesus is trying to help us to see. You've got to keep your eyes, what? Fixed ahead of you. And I think that if we're honest, that there's many of us in the room today. And we're allowing our past to hold us back, to keep us stuck, and to get us off track. And guys, listen, I know that many of us in the room today, including myself, we've made some bad decisions. We've had some major mess-ups. We've committed some egregious sins. And there are consequences to those things, and sometimes those consequences, unfortunately, will, will follow us, in a sense, the rest of our life. Okay? But what I want you to know today is that Jesus wants to set you free from the, the guilt and the condemnation and the shame of our past sin and our past life. Because if, if, if we're constantly looking back and, and having to be reminded and trying to go back and pick up those things that we gave to the Lord a long, long time ago, guys, listen, we can never move. We can never move forward. And that's exactly what Paul is talking about here. Is that, is that Jesus delivers us from the darkness, from the, from the shame, from the condemnation and the guilt of our past. Because he wants to lead us home. And if we're not looking ahead, we get stuck. 
We get lost. We get off track. We get off course. Flip with me real quick to Hebrews 12. Look at at what the author of Hebrews says here. Hebrews 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, guys, that's what we're talking about. The the sins of our past, the guilt and the shame of who we once were or the mistakes that we have made in our past. That's like a, it's like a burden that weighs us down. It's like a weight that's hanging off. It's like chains and the, the old ball and chain that we're trying to drag along with us when the Lord intended for us to be set what? Set free from all of that. To be, for that burden to be taken away from us. So how do we do it? How do we really get liberated? How do we really get free from those chains and those weights and those sins? It says they they cling so closely, but we need to run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to, we keep our eyes on Jesus. He's the founder and perfecter of our faith. Who for the joy, what's the book of Philippians all about? The joy. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. And he is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Amen. So what does that mean? Let me, let me, let me put it to you this way. Jesus is our trailblazer. He has blazed a trail ahead of us. And if we're willing and we stay close to him and we're in that intimate relationship with him and we, don't, and, we, and we don't start pursuing other things above him, is that he will keep us on that path and on that trail. And that's what it means, that we keep our eyes on Jesus. Listen, he is the, he is the author or the originator of our faith. And he's also, he, so he's the pioneer of our faith. He's the one that went before us. And he's also the finisher of our faith. What does that mean? He's the prize. He's the pioneer and he's the prize. In other words, when we get to the finish line, which is when we go home, whether we go home to be with the Lord and, and, and at the end of this life, or he comes home, you know, he comes back to, to bring us to be with himself, whatever happens first, who is the prize? Jesus is the prize. He is at the other side of the finish line. And in, in any race, in any, any kind of uh, person has ever done any racing or run run track or anything like that is that you have to stay focused in your lane and you have to keep your mind fixed on the finish line knowing that that's your goal and you certainly aren't what you aren't looking back because the minute you look back the next guy what he's gonna run right past you that's what we're talking about right here and so guys i just want to encourage you this morning what is that sin or that guilt or that weight that is that is holding you back that is that is weighing you down that is that is taking you off the path it's like a snare is what he talked about it's like a snare that that trips us up on the on the way you ever seen those guys out there running hurdles and they they hit a hurdle and fall i mean how it's just devastating you know they just face plant on the on the asphalt 
And there's little snares like that all over the place where it is the, 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 the world, the flesh, and the devil, right? Trying to trip us up, trying to slow us down, trying to get us off track. It is very, very real, and it hurts, and we oftentimes will fall. But thank God we have a faithful and a merciful and a patient high priest who says what? Get back up. Let's get back on the, on the track. Let's get back on the path again. I'm here with you. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. I want you to finish well, and I'm willing to lead you home so that we can finish our race well. That's what Paul's talking about here. That's what we're talking about when we say making Christ known, okay? Because, guys, what is our upward calling? As we go on to verse, uh, back to Philippians, look at verse uh Verse 14, I press on, again, he's staying on the path, I press on uh, toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Now, again, ultimately, Jesus is our prize. He is, he is the, the finisher of our faith. He is the one that we are pursuing and keeping our eyes fixed on. But this race that we're running, we are called to an upward calling. And that upward calling, guys, is to become his witnesses, ambassadors, ambassadors for Christ. That's my next point. We discover our very purpose for existence as ambassadors for Jesus Christ to the nations. So, so, so let's just let's simplify. What's our mission statement? To know Christ, to make him known. All right, if you can come to me and give me a greater purpose that you're alive today, if you can tell me and, and convince me that there is a greater purpose in your life than to make Jesus Christ known, I'm all ears. I think I'll be waiting a really long time for anybody to come up with any greater purpose in life. Than that the God of the universe, the creator of heaven and earth, the one who came to redeem this sinner from all of the condemnation that I so justly deserve, that he's come to me and saved me, redeemed me, he created me, and he's given me an opportunity and invited me to be part of his great plan. And he's given me a role to play in his kingdom. He's given me a path to walk. And that has everything to do, guys, with making Jesus Christ known. You see, the upward calling is to be ministers of reconciliation. Now, this is something I've always considered to be fascinating. God could have chosen probably a, a variety of ways to reconcile the world to himself. Now, I, I, let me backtrack. There was really only one way that God could have done that because Jesus talked to him, talked to the Father in the garden about that. Remember what he said? He said, Father, if there's any other way, I don't know if I really want to do this. Can you take this cup from me? But then he turned around and says, but it's not my will. So, so Jesus, we know, is the only way, that there was only really one way for Christ, for God to reconcile man to himself, And so through that work, through that act of Jesus being obedient even unto death on a cross and then being, of course, raised from the dead, we know that is the only way that God could have reconciled 
mankind back to himself. But what I'm trying to tell you is that there is a normal process that God invites us to be part of that he so determines to be the way that he reaches men with the message of the good news of the gospel. In other words, could God today, we could all walk outside this building and write a message of hope in, in the clouds. He could do that, couldn't he? But he doesn't choose to do it that way. He could take over every television set in the, in the world and, and show himself to be God or whatever. I mean, you know, he could come to you in, in a dream. And sometimes God does come to us in dreams. But that's not his normal way of coming to people to share the good news of the gospel. You see, he is, he is ordained that his people, those of us who now belong to him, who are in that relationship with him, he has ordained that we become his mouthpiece. He has ordained that we become his hands and his feet. We become his witnesses. And guys, I, the reason I say that is because I don't think that sometimes we, we really can comprehend what we're talking about here. I mean, you think about it for just a second. I mean, what is, what is there in life that we could ever possibly be a part of that's more important than being a witness for the God of the universe who loved mankind so much that he would give his only son and then he would raise us up and he would give us new life and then he would send us out into the world to tell other people, people who are alienated, who are separated from God because of their sin, just like we were, and he gives us the opportunity to go out and make an eternal, significant a major difference in their life by bringing them and introducing them to the God that we know and we serve. But you know what? I don't think we get very excited about that. And I wonder why. Can you, maybe y'all can answer that for me. I've contemplated it a lot, and I talk about it in my own life sometimes too. Why aren't we excited about that? Why aren't we more excited to be his witnesses, to be his ambassadors? I think it goes back to what we said at the very beginning. Because we're not pursuing him. We're not cultivating our relationship with him. We're not making Jesus our highest priority and our, our greatest pursuit in life. Because like that grandparent that I told you about at the beginning, we're going to talk about the things and the people that we, that we love, aren't we? If you know somebody that loves fishing, you'd be around them for 10 minutes, they're going to be talking about what? If you know somebody that loves sports, you'd be around 10 minutes, they're going to talk about sports. That's what I'm trying to get, get you guys to understand. Maybe the reason why we're not talking about Jesus and making him known is simply because we don't love him enough. Maybe we don't know him deeply enough. Maybe we're keeping him at a distance or we've put him on the back burner or maybe we're not having even talked to him in weeks or maybe Jesus is just kind of this, this mental, you know, this person that we have in our mind but he hasn't really connected with our heart. Because guys, I, I know as well as you do, we, we will talk about and we will be committed to the things that we're passionate about in our what? In our hearts. That's the only thing that I can look at and I can, I can think of. 
There's a disconnect somewhere that is causing us to become apathetic and complacent and indifferent about the Lord Jesus Christ to the fact that if I were to ask everybody in this room, when is the last time you specifically witnessed to somebody else about the good news of the glory of Jesus Christ? I would say, how many of us would be able to say we've done that in the past week, month, year? there's something wrong if we're not because this is the very this is our very purpose for existing we just sang that song i will you know build my life worthy of every breath that i could ever breathe we are borrowing air from the lord he is keeping our heart beating in our chest. He is keeping us alive when we sleep at night. He woke us up another day. Why? For what purpose? It's to make him known, guys. To be an, an ambassador. Let me, let me share this with you real quick. 2 Corinthians 5. If you want to flip there, look at it with me. It's too good to pass up. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Listen to what Paul again says to the church at Corinth. He says this. Let's see. Let's go down to verse 14. 2 Corinthians 5, 14. For the love of Christ controls us or compels us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died, and he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him for their sake died and was raised. That's what Paul is saying right here. The, what, what is that that compels us to tell other people about Jesus? Is because we no longer live for ourselves. It's his love that, that compels us. Then, then continue on. Verse 18. It says, okay, anyone who's in Christ is a new creation. Verse 18. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Guys. That doesn't mean that only pastors and professional Christians have the ministry of reconciliation. That means if you are in Christ and he is in you, you have been given the ministry of what? Reconciliation. That means God has chosen you to be a vessel and an agent to reach other people with his message so that he might bring them into a relationship with himself. That is... In Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us. Listen, he has entrusted to us the message of reconciliation. There is a message. There is a, a, a gospel. There is a good news to be told. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. Again, God could have done it any other way. He could have shouted it from the heavens. He could have written it in the clouds. He could have come to people in all kind of different dreams or visions or whatever he wanted to do. But he says, no, I want to make this appeal through you. I want to invite you. I want us. I want, I want my people to participate with me in this great work. We implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God for, the, for our sake. He made him who to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Guys, what we're talking about is an ambassador is someone who is in a foreign territory. He's a citizen of another kingdom. And he's on a mission to represent who? The king. 
Let me say that again. Who, what is an ambassador? The United States has ambassadors in every, just about every country in the world. Those ambassadors are not citizens of those countries. They are citizens of the United States of America, and they are to represent the United States of America and our governing leaders to those other nations. We are not citizens of this world. We're citizens of the kingdom of heaven. We have a king in heaven. He has sent us into a hostile territory, a foreign land, to be his what? Ambassadors to represent the king. To tell the world about the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the hope that we have in him. Guys, that is our very purpose for existence. And when you think about it, guys, this is an opportunity that we get to be a part of something that not only is bigger than ourselves, but guess what? It's of what kind of value and significance? Not temporary, but what? Eternal significance. What could get better than that? I think that's another reason why we probably don't witness and tell others about Jesus like we should. It's because we don't have our eyes fixed on heavenly things, but we're too bogged down and worried about what? Worldly and earthly things. And so we waste so much of our time bogged down in the temporary things that really don't matter in the end, when if we really had an eternal perspective in everything that we do in life, I'm telling you guys, we would be telling everybody about Jesus. Because nothing else matters nothing else matters that's what Paul's telling us it is fulfilling that great commission did you know that the great commission is kingdom warfare 101 do you know when you do spiritual warfare what God is doing is that he's taking us as ambassadors and every person that we reach with the good news of the gospel and they come into the kingdom we just, we didn't. He, God, just redeemed that person out of the domain of darkness, out of the clutches of Satan, out of the, of the condemnation of sin. And he's brought them out of that kingdom into his what? Into his kingdom. And man, I'll tell you what, the enemy hates that. He hates that because God is reclaiming the world for himself. He's regaining territory and regaining ground. Guys, that is significant. Spiritual warfare, that is our purpose. That is our reason to be alive today. We literally are fulfilling the purpose for which we were not only created, but for which we were redeemed by Christ. And finally, so we're talking about pursuits. We're talking about our purpose. And we're talking about our greatest privilege. Your greatest privilege in life is to walk as his witnesses, proclaim the good news of the kingdom to the ends of the earth until the end of the age. Paul says, hey guys, imitate me. Now that guy has, he's got some, some courage. Think about it. How many times have you ever turned around and talked to your friends and family and and brothers and sisters in Christ, and said, hey guys, y'all need to do what I do. Imitate my life. Follow me. Paul, in his own way, he's not being proud, he's not being boastful, but you know what? Paul took his purpose in life seriously. Paul took his commission to be an ambassador for Jesus Christ seriously. We know the, the life and testimony of, of the Apostle Paul, how 
how God truly used him probably beside Jesus, probably more than anybody else that we know of, at least in, the, in modern history, to be a witness for the, for the good news of the, of the gospel of the kingdom. Paul was a significant witness, and he's saying, I want you to follow me and imitate me. Most of the time, we spend more time telling people, don't do what I do, just do what I say. Not Paul. But does that mean that we should never be setting the example for other people to follow? No. There's got to be somebody out there that, you know, if we are really living our lives the way that God uh, created us to do and, and we take our privilege to, to be his witnesses seriously, then we should be able to look at other people and say, hey, come on, follow me. I want to I show you what, what God's doing. Come along. I got, I got some good things to show you. Now, here's, here's, the, here's the thing as I, as I kind of bring all this to an end. Jesus made an interesting statement in, in, in John 15. He said, he said, many are called, but few are chosen. Okay? What does that mean? Well, I think it means this. Is that as we come to faith in Christ, we now have been redeemed and we're now in the citizens of the kingdom of heaven. We've been given this purpose and, and uh, this great pursuit and this great privilege to participate. And what Jesus is telling us is, is that now you belong to me. Now we are in a relationship with one another and I'm calling you to a higher purpose, to a, high, a heavenly calling. Whose responsibility is it to take that calling? Many are called. Few are chosen. I believe that means more than anything else that God has given us the opportunity to participate, to join him, to partner with him in the greatest work that we could ever imagine. And many of us have missed out and are missing out on that because we have failed to choose to take that path. And we're out there missing that great calling. It's still your choice. It's still my choice. God is not going to make that choice for you. God is not going to force you to be his witness. He still gives us the choice. I pray that we would be more like Isaiah. Like Jeremiah. That when they were called, they basically stopped and said, Here I am, Lord. Send me. How many of you today are willing and ready to say, here I am, Lord. Send me. As long as I have breath, I will praise you. As long as I have life, I will be your witness. To the ends of the earth, until the end of the age. That's what it means to make Christ known. Now, as our praise team comes up, we're going to, just spend a little bit of time in reflection and application. We're going to sing one more song today. And, and, and as I give you these, these applications, I know sometimes, you know, they're, they're, I don't know how much you get out of them, but 
I'm just gonna I'm gonna kind of skip that because I think that if we if we were to narrow down the reason why we're not making Jesus known more than we should be, more than we are, is simply because, guys, we are pursuing other things. We've placed other people, things, whatever it may be, as higher priorities in our life than Jesus. And because of that, because of that, we are not as intimate and close with Jesus as we could be or as we should be. And because Christ is distant from us, because Christ, we're not necessarily connecting with Jesus at, our, at the heart level, like that grandmother and gra- that proud grandmother and grandfather who loves their grandmother so much that they won't shut up about telling you how awesome they are. Because they have such a deep connection at that heart level with that wonderful grandchild. And guys, when we have that deep connection at the heart level with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we won't shut up about him. So something is off. Something is, is amiss. I'm talking to myself as much as I'm talking to you. Time is short. You're not even guaranteed another day. Whether you live another 10, 20, 30, 50 years, whatever. So guys, I just hope and pray today that as we think about what it means that our purpose in life, our, our, our focus on heavenly things far supersedes anything that we would allow in this world to distract us and, and, and pull us aside and, and get us off the right track. Because Jesus, in the end, he wants to lead us home. Don't you know he wants to be the one to embrace us? Well done. Good job. Listen, last word, I promise. It's not, it's not how we start. There's hope. None of us are perfect. None of us have done what we should have done. It's not necessarily how we started this race. But it's how we finish. May God have mercy. May we finish well. Well done, good and faithful servant. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful that you have chosen to allow us to be part of something so much greater than ourselves, to give us significance beyond anything that we could imagine, to give our lives purpose of eternal significance, of eternal value, that we have a privilege to partner with you in the great work of the great commission of Jesus Christ, that, Lord, that, that, that you have offered a relationship that we can pursue you daily to know you more and that through that deep heart connection that we have with you Lord it would overflow into others lives and that we would talk about you more and that we'd witness about you and we would boast about you and brag about you and praise you and glorify you Lord to all that would hear not because it's what we're supposed to do because God we, we just can't even hold it in anymore because we, we're just overflowing with our gratitude and love and joy that we have, that we, you would even just consider us worthy of being your children and your witnesses. Bless us, Lord, and help us to finish well. In Jesus' name we pray.